Hi, everyone. I'm Michaela Hunt, host of the Columbus Chamber's CBuzz podcast, where we bring you conversations with local leaders on trending topics in business. We're doing something a little different this episode. We're going to be sharing an exclusive peek into the Chamber's CEO Insight series. You're about to hear a conversation between Don DePero, the Chamber's president and CEO, and Dr. Michael Drake, president of The Ohio State University. Dr. Drake became the 15th president of Ohio State in June of 2014. And during his tenure, Ohio State has seen record highs in applications, graduation rates, academic excellence, diversity, and donor support. We hope you enjoy a few of the highlights from this conversation. And if you're interested in attending one of the Chamber's future CEO Insights programs, be sure to visit columbus.org forward slash events. We thank you for listening. So you've been with us four years yes, uh, as president of The Ohio State University. Um, why don't we start with talking about some of the accomplishments over the past four years and uh, what you've enjoyed about your tenure here at Ohio State. Let me start with this, the latter part. The, I, I get asked that from time to time, uh, like what's the best, what's the worst part. The, the best part really is being a Buckeye. Uh, what a wonderful community the Buckeye community is. And you can uh, speak about it or talk about it or hear about it or, or read about it. But being a part of, of Buckeye Nation is really a tremendous uh, thrill. And the when we're here in Columbus, uh, we see people, of course, all the time. But as we travel around the country, we see people and the Buckeyes everywhere we go. And it's uh, uh, like having a family of 550,000 cousins. And it's a, uh, it's a, uh, well, you, you chuckle, but in, uh, but all those of you who are members of Buckeye Nation know that that's what it feels like wherever you go. There'll be a, a, a license plate cover in a parking lot in Seattle, and you'll think, Go Bucks, you know. <laughs> so, so that's great, and uh, so that's really been the. You never really grow out of it, do you, don't you? I mean, my son, my oldest, Adam, who is the Buckeye graduate, I had. He'll be 27 in a couple of months, and he still lives with two of his fraternity brothers in a house in Italian Village. I said, you know, Adam, one of these days you really need to think about branching out a little bit here. You know, it just never ends. Great to have a home base. I'll just say this in sports when we talk about, but we go to away games from time to time, and one of my favorite things is we go to visit my, whoever my colleague is at the, the, the place, and everybody has their little suite or whatever with, with donors and staff people and all. And inevitably, when we're there, we're saying hi to people, and I'll walk up to somebody, be shaking hands, and they'll have on the, the colors of whatever the team we're playing is, and they'll lean forward and say, I'm a Buckeye. (laughs) (laughs) Happens all the time. I know. Uh, Look forward to it. uh, That's that's great. That's great. What would you consider uh, a few of the things that we've accomplished over the past four years, and we've meaning part of Buckeye Nation? You know, Clark mentions uh, some of the things that I'm most excited and pleased about. Uh, we've had uh, a record in our applications. We get more every year, even though actually Ohio's been relatively flat and had a bit of a dip in high school graduates. The interest in our university <coughs> has continued to grow, so that's great. We've had a record uh, persistence rate, um, people moving from first to second year, so that look left, look right. Uh, it's uh, We're about 95% are coming back, so that's a great mm-hmm. thing. and. We appreciate uh, appreciate that. Our graduation rates are at all time highs. That's uh, that's wonderful. We we the number of students leaving with the, the level of debt is leveled off, and the number of students leaving with debt has decreased. 
rather than increase. We want to try and keep that curve going down. So I want there to be more students who are leaving without debt. Really, really importantly, as I say that, in particular this year, I know coming, the number of Pell students that we have has now increased. So we, when I say fewer student, students leaving with debt, that's in the face of more lower, middle and lower income students coming. So those two things are working uh, together. Our uh, grades and test scores have continued to go up. Uh, we had a goal, we've exceeded the goal, and they're continuing to go up. I won't know exactly what this next uh, classes will be until they fully arrive, but I know what they were as of July, and they're higher than we'd ever had in the, the past. But we also have greater diversity than we had in the past. So, by, so we're increasing economic diversity, increasing racial and ethnic diversity, uh, uh, increasing the entry uh, criteria, the, the preparation of the class, increasing the persistence, leads to increased graduation rates. So th those things moving up at the same time are, are the goal, and that's what we want to continue to see happen. That's great. A true university president speaking entirely about the students and the student population, which is great. What are some of the aspirations for you moving forward for the university? Uh, what areas are you really focused on, and uh, what would you like to see progress as you continue your, your tenure? So I want to answer your question exactly, but I want to refer to what you said before about, you said we focused on students, but that, you know, of course that's what we focus on. I mean, that's what, that's who we're here for. To have a university, you need two people. Uh, you need to have a faculty member and you need to have a student. And, and that's really the core of who we are and what we do. And I've, I actually visited a university, I had a great time visiting a place called Iwa Women's University in South Korea a couple of years ago. And we were there, it's grown to beautiful um, uh, research university, still women. Uh, but there's a photograph of the founding of the university in the late 19th century, and there was a faculty member, and there were about half a dozen uh, women who were in this uh, religious-based university at the time, and a house. And that was the founding of Iwa Women's University. So they had a room and six students, but they really were down at the core there, which is a faculty member or two or three, and uh, a student or two or three, or 7,000 faculty members and 65,000 students. Uh, but that really is the core of what we are and what we do, what we're here for. All the other things we do are, are kind of in these uh, uh, shells that, that are uh, circle in circle what we do, but at the core, it's uh, the student and, and our faculty members who uh, are the university. So I. So that's really what we focus on all, and think about all the time. And I totally forgot your question. <laughs> well, your aspirational area is where you hope to continue to progress. And, you know, we talked a little bit just sure. backstage about uh, the, the University Medical Center, which we'll talk about a little sure. also. And it's such a huge enterprise in and of itself. But, but where the university is headed and what your aspirations are for that. Well, we <clears> want to be the best university we can be. We are focused on students and uh, being able to create a pathway for them to move forward in their lives. We, we say four things, but we'll be having a new class of students come in a couple of weeks. And we say to the parents during orientation, we say to them during the application process, I'll say to them at convocation that there are four things that we think about. We think about academic excellence that takes place in the classroom. We think about research excellence that takes place and it's actually research and creative excellence, so that, that takes place in laboratories, but also on stages when we're doing creative um, expression. So we want to be outstanding at, at what takes place in the classroom, outstanding at, at research and what takes place creatively. We also want to uh, develop our students as people of character, so we care about character excellence, 
And then we have a real role in society to develop leaders, and so we care about leadership excellence. And the aspiration really is to be better at each of those things every day. I, years ago, quick story, you're a baseball fan. Uh, I had, had a, an opportunity for uh, uh, many years to know Willie Mays, and, and I was in California, and uh, chat with him on uh, uh, several occasions. I have a picture of him above my uh, desk. Uh, and when one of our conversations, I was asking him about, um, I shouldn't, I, I, Ohio is not the right place to say this, but I asked him about the catch he made in the 54 series, great play he made. And it was against the Indians, which is uh, for those of you <clears throat> who were running with his back to home plate right home over plate, his head. About a mile and a half from home plate in the polo fields. Uh, and uh, I asked him about the play and we had, he talked about longer than I'm going to now, but uh, how did it feel to do such a, make such a great play at such a, an important time? And he said that, that his job was to make great plays. And he said, well, gosh, I've made that great play now. And uh, what I need to do is to come back tomorrow and do something a little bit better. And uh, I think that's, he did this early in his career, but that's how you get to be really good at what you're doing and then sustain it. And uh, well, that's kind of a, a motto or mantra for the university. Just great advice for all of better. us. Yeah. Absolutely. That's wonderful. You know, we keep talking about the workforce of the future, and you know, now there's so much conversation about what jobs will no longer exist you know, 15, 10, maybe even five years from today. What is the university doing to make sure you're connected with the business community and preparing your students and pre preparing curriculum and moving forward so that you are preparing the Ohio State University to fill the role of the workforce of the future? We, we, it's a very important question, very important to us. We are land-grant university, and uh, uh, part of our founding mission was to educate the people of our community, but to educate them in things that actually help to lift the quality of life in the community. So we feel very connected. Uh, I go on state tours. We have three of them. They have, some are called state tours. The others are called Roads Without an H Scholars Tour. I can't tell which one I'm on when I'm on them, but, but um, <laughs> what we do is go into Ohio. We, we uh, drive uh, and uh, we go to cities, Cleveland, Cincinnati, but we also go to very small uh, towns and villages and we meet people in their lives, Buckeyes generally, but doing, go, go to farms, doing the things that they're doing on a, uh, on a daily basis throughout the year and talk to them about their lives and what's important. And it helps me to hear about those things and helps them to hear about what we're doing at the university. So we try in many, many ways to stay connected. We have innumerable connections with the community and through the partnership and other things we work with, with those communities. And, and the many businesses and corporations come to our campus. We have thousands of students who are in internships on an ongoing basis. So we feel that those connections with the business and employer part of the community and the real community are, are a real thing. We also continually uh, revise our curriculum. We're actually going through a, a revision of our general education requirements now and looking at things that we want students to uh, be exposed to that are practical, useful things. Uh, I don't know if we asked the audience, um, uh, those of you who went to university, college, university, uh, was there anything you wish you knew when you finished college that you hadn't learned? And, uh, and so that's a good question. And many people would say, gosh, I wish I knew more about financial management, how to, how to uh, manage money, invest, or balance checkbooks, or whatever it was. And, um, and, and so we'd like to have within our required curriculum things that people need to know to make to help them to be more successful so that's going on now we want things that are attractive and exciting to students so we have a lot of things our students are 
incredibly uh, brilliant, focused, altruistic, great young people. And you, again, many of you know many of them and they're impressive uh, day in, day out. It's a great thing. Um, we have a, a series of, of courses that are focused broadly on poverty, on what causes it, what, what could one do about it, how, what might one interact with it, because that touches on so many areas of life and concern around the world. So many uh, things could fall under that, that title. So we've, we've worked on those kinds of modifications. Uh, we have many more online courses than we did before, and that's increasing all the time. We have some fully online uh, degree programs, and that allows the curriculum to be, uh, it can be dyssynchronous. You don't have to just have Monday, Wednesday, Friday classes uh, in a particular semester, so that gives a lot more flexibility. So we're working always to be flexible. My final part is uh, something that Clark Kerr, a great educator, uh, for the 20th century, I uh, wrote in a book that he revised through eight, through eight uh, editions, and uh, over about 40 years he kept revising it. He started when he was in the 60s writing and, and, and revised it until he was about 100 years old. He died at maybe 103, 104. And he had won many parts. It's called, it's called The Uses of the University, so it's, I'm, I'm speaking of an actual book. And he had uh, one uh, little quote in it or that I thought was so useful, which is that if you looked at Western Europe at the time he was writing this, and you look back 500 years, that there were 66 institutions that were roughly in the same place they had been 500 years before, doing essentially the same thing that they were doing 500 years before. So there were two governments that had been in continuous existence for that time. There were two churches that had been in continuous existence for that time. And there were 62 universities that had been continuous existence for that time. And it means that universities have to be adaptable to the times that they're in uh, to be able to move forward through the centuries. And we try to be a good example of that. That's wonderful. Our chamber is 134 years old, I think we look pretty darn good for 134, so thank you. <laughs> Had to get that plug in, you know, Dr. Drake. Can you talk a little bit about some of the uh, universities? Talk to in me in 300 years. Yeah. But I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we're halfway there. We're, we're halfway there. About your, you know, you know some uh -huh. partnerships and yes. uh, not only in the business community, but with other uh, you know, universities or institutions and, uh, and how they enhance the student experience to have those outside partnerships. I, it's critically important. I, my training is in medicine, as you know, and uh, I remember the things I learned in classrooms and uh, in labs, but we, the, I also particularly remember things I learned in hospitals when I was out actually working with people or in the offices. of We had, we had clinical professors and you'd go and actually work in, in their office or you'd travel to clinics that were in remote places and those real sleeves rolled up hands-on experiences uh, are, are places where I think we learn the most, and so we try to um, have many opportunities for our students to learn while doing, and then at the same time be doing something useful while they're learning. And I think for all of us, those are, are the best bonding experiences. That's wonderful. And, and what role do you think the university plays, you know, in our community, in the state, and, and even nationally, and, and how important that is? Yeah, uh, great, I mean, great question. So we're critically important, of course, to Central Ohio and uh, for the people, again, in the audience who are, are alums, for us, people whose children are our students and uh, people who work with people who have uh, trained at our university. We, and again, as we go around the state, we see Buckeyes in every walk of life leading things, and we're very, very proud of that. Something that I see maybe more than many uh, might is our role nationally. We are... Uh, 
as well known a university as exists in the uh, United States. Uh, we never go anywhere. If you're Buckeye, you never go anywhere and, and someone says, what do you do? And you say, I work at Ohio State or I'm whatever, and no one ever says, what's that? Uh, uh, you, and, and so you chuckle appropriately uh, be, because it would be ridiculous that someone wouldn't, have, wouldn't know who we were, wouldn't actually have some feeling about who we were. But there are 3,000 uh, universities in the country and none of us could name more than um, a few. And thousands of them we don't, never would have heard of at all, 2,000 or more never would have heard, or maybe had heard of peripherally but couldn't say anything about them, don't have any particular feeling about. And that's not true for us. It's the opposite for us. Everybody knows us and cares about us. And what's terrific about that is that as we do things, it makes a difference. So we can do things in a way that uh, affects our broader communities and affects the higher education community in a, in a profound way. When I meet with people in Washington, uh, I was in Washington last week meeting with people from the, the Department of Education, I can talk about things we're doing at Ohio State and they pay attention because it's relevant. When I talk with my colleagues at tiny research places like MIT or Caltech, they can relate to what we're saying because we do things like what they do. If I talk to my colleagues at Spelman, we have a great conversation because we do things like, like they do. If I talk to my colleagues at uh, UC Berkeley or even the school up north, uh, we have uh, a, a great series of things that we overlap with and, and, and do together. It, that doesn't work for us so many other places that, that there's no connection. And uh, so we really appreciate the voice that we have as a really central flagship public research uh, America or, or university here in, in America. And, and uh, that's a, it's a great role. L last thing I'll say, I'll say this, I'll, I'll whisper this a bit. Then something that Brenda and I experienced is fascinating. So we came here on purpose. You know, we, we came on purpose with uh, fully informed. We thought uh, a lot about it. I'd been in a similar job for many years and uh, knew people. And we uh, uh, were excited about the opportunity to come here because of what this university means to people. This, this strange thing happens. One of the groups I'm in, uh, they see this alphabetically. It's a group of presidents and chancellors. They see this alphabetically. And uh, so my seat was the same, but, but my, so my name was, seat and his name were the same, but the, where I was changed. So the person sitting next to me on both sides, those people were the same, and people in the, around the table were the same. 50, 60 people, all of us knew each other. What I found was that uh, in the first meeting after my name plate changed, that when I was talking, the room got quieter than it did before. Um, now, let me say, I was on the executive board of the group. I wasn't like a newcomer or whatever. But when, I, when a question would come up and I was responding, I just noticed that it was a little bit quieter than it had been before. And I kind of, kind of felt it almost. And my verification of that is Brenda had also been, this is a group where partners go, and so she'd been in this for years. And she was, again, on the executive board of the partners and so not at all unknown. She said the same thing happened with her because we all of a sudden were more relevant to more people in everything we said. So this is a great place, and um, we all need to appreciate how much of an impact we have. Here are a couple of other organizations you're affiliated with yeah. that you may not, you know, you know, but uh, uh -huh. you, you're the chair of the Association of American Universities, that's yes. the AAU, and you will be the chair of the Association of Public and Land-Grant Universities, the APLU, next year. Uh, tell us about some of the most important issues 
in higher education and how Ohio State is involved at the national level in addressing these issues. Yes, so I'll say a word about the, the organizations first. So AAU is uh, 62 research universities, the 62 most impactful research universities in the country. So those would be universities that you'd all know. It's um, roughly half and half public and private, but it's uh, large flagship public universities. <coughs> We're members, most of the Big Ten uh, universities are members, but it's also private, so all the Ivies but Dartmouth are, are members, and it's an um, uh, organization founded just after the turn of the century. We became members in 1916, so we've been a member of this for 100 years. And we, we uh, focus on issues of national importance, like the tax reform bill or the higher education uh, reauthorization um, act. Those would be two major things we're uh, focused on. We focused on DACA. Um, it makes such a big difference to uh, the members of the AAU. Uh, the organization is located in Washington and through it we meet with senior officials of the federal government, agency heads, uh, president, vice president, uh, so we meet with the uh, senior officials in the government and we talk about those issues that are the most important. And, it's, and we're, the members know the importance of AAU and the, those universities. APLU uh, is an association of public and land-grant universities, bigger organization in membership, about 250 members, all public uh, land-grant universities. Those universities are some smaller, some larger, some uh, research one universities like we are in that and the University of Texas and, and others. Uh, but it's also uh, some smaller public uh, universities or active members, including a large segment that are the, uh, uh, so the, or the uh, HBCUs, the historically black colleges and universities. Uh, uh, they're called 1890s because they were part of the land-grant um, act of 1890, and so that group is very prominent in, in APLU. Slightly different focus there because the big research universities can be clustered together, um, Harvard, MIT, et cetera, or, or Stanford, Berkeley, you know, really close to each other. The, uh, and they're only 60, so they're clustered together in their places where there aren't uh, AAU universities. But APL universities, public universities, pretty much cover the country, and so everyone is near or adjacent to, in or adjacent to a congressional district. So there's a great interest across the country in what APLU thinks. And the issues are, are quite similar, uh, but a little bit more on the local level in, in many cases for APLU. That's what's happening with affordability and other things that help people to uh, get through college, get a college education, etc. So I'd say that the higher education system in our country is something that we all should be very proud of. And again, the way we can think about that is that we all know of students, undergraduate students from other countries who come here or graduate students from other countries who come here to study. I mean, we would all know countless people who've had that happen. We have thousands on our campus. If we thought of uh, people who we knew who were really outstanding students and because they were so outstanding, they decided to go to college in a different country, well, that's a, nearly a null set. And uh, we, we draw people from all over the world because they're making a rational decision. Our very best students uh, stay and go to our very best universities. Others can travel and do other things for experiences afterwards, and that's, that's great, and study abroad is great, but for the primary foundation of their education, they, they come here, and these organizations work to help maintain that. Dr. Drake, since you arrived in yes. 2014, uh, almost going on five years now, yes. um, what have you accomplished, and if you could be a little less than modest, just for one minute here, that you're most proud of? 
Well, you, you arrived uh, a little over four years ago. We have graduation this uh, Sunday. It'll be the 13th graduation ceremony that I've presided over, so I, I feel, feel like I'm here. Uh, and, uh, so things I'm uh, happiest about. I'm happiest about our, uh, the thing we've uh, guaranteed tuition and made that uh, uh, flat, so when you come in as a freshman, the tuition, when you graduate four years later, the tuition that you uh, pay is gonna be the same that you paid when you came in. And that's been- You you did that about 10 years too late for me, but. uh. (laughs) There's always time. Absolutely. Uh, uh, So so everybody who's graduated since we've been here mentioned that was paying the same tuition that she paid when she arrived, and that's going to be the case in the future. Each year, the freshman class pays a percent and a half or so more starting this year, but that's going to stay guaranteed. And it's also, it's, for them, it's tuition, room, and board, and fees. So the entire thing stays flat. Proud of that. Really proud of our um, uh, Buckeye Opportunity Program, which looks at Pell Grant eligible students, roughly the lower half of the income distribution, median income and below. Looks at the uh, Pell Grant they get from the federal government, the OCOG they get from the, the state, and then whatever gap is left between that and other grants they have and their tuition, the university makes it up so the tuition is neutralized. So that is great. So for half the families in Ohio today, you can go to Ohio State University for zero tuition. Uh, can't get better than that. Uh, and and we, that came from us, came from administrative savings that we push um, into the students. So we're really pleased and proud about that. Uh, so I think affordability is something we care about. I'm, I'm happy about the affordability the excellence and the diversity increasing at the same time. I want to make sure I emphasize that it's not one versus the other, but both at the same time. Last thing I'll say quickly, I know That's our great. time is short. Is We're that, going to have one more question. Okay, well, last thing I'll say that, that, uh, that I, really a moment of pride. As I see Gail in, in the audience, and, and uh, maybe two months ago, we were right about graduation time in the spring. We were walking um, across the Oval, and students like to take pictures around graduation time that week. They're in a good mood. So a young lady uh, uh, said, uh, well, it's a real happy time. And so a young lady wanted to take a picture. So we stopped uh, to take a picture. And I said, what are you doing over the summer, as I often do? And she held up her hand and said, I guess this one, and said, um, uh, well, I just got engaged. And so I'm going to get married uh, uh, this summer. And I'm very excited. And this was an, a, a student from an international student, so a student who had uh, been raised uh, elsewhere but had come here for school. So she said, "Got so I'm engaged." I said, "Oh, terrific!" And then she said, "I'm engaged to a Buckeye." And I said, "Oh," <laughs> I said, "Terrific!" And then we were walk- we turned and we were walking away, and she stopped and turned back and she said, "Our kids are going to be Buckeyes." And I thought that was terrific. Mm, that is wonderful. Since you've carried so much of the conversation about your students, um, which I know you care about so very, very deeply. What have you learned from students over the years, not just here at Ohio State, but over the course of your entire career? A great privilege for me has been to work with students during my my career, and so they are bright, young, enterprising, optimistic, innovative people. And what I see, and again, you'll see them as you with our students, is that their eyes are wide open, their faces are open, their their hearts are open, their minds are open to the future. They're excited about the future, and I. I uh, love existing in a world where, where it's all about the future and what we're going to do and what the possibilities are. And the great privilege that we have at this university is to try to make that future better for all of us. Uh, you know, I spent 35 years in traditional media, so if I, but, uh, and I will always consider myself a, a, a student of journalism, but I, I have to end with an observation. And uh, over your four years, you face so much adversity so many challenges. You've always deported yourself, Dr. Drake, with such great grace 
and dignity and professionalism. And he's got a fabulous sense of humor. You got a little taste of it today. But we really are thrilled you're a Buckeye, and thank you for all you do. Will you please join me in welcoming and thanking? Thank you.